This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. I just hope, you know, and that's my prayer, that the church today in the world will have the same heart as Paul did, had the same ministry. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to serve in leadership to have a killer schedule like this for Jesus Christ. We are so spoiled. Can't believe all the people I hear crying and complaining. And it's like the radio show. They keep complaining, complaining. And it's like, and the hits just keep on coming. Here's the next complaint. Okay, you know, man up. We can easily let life get in the way of our service to God. Pastor Eddie shows us how Paul worked full time. Then when everyone else was on lunch having their daily siesta, he gave Bible studies. Our generation complains of how busy we are and that we're too busy to serve. Paul puts us to shame with how he was so selfless with his time. We need to remember that no time given to God ever comes back void. There is blessing in all of it. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. Now, Paul continues his normal pattern of ministry as was his custom. This is where we left off in verse 8. He says, And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Paul is keeping his promise. He had promised the men in the synagogue of Ephesus, he promised them before he left to Jerusalem, he said, I will be back. They wanted Paul to stay a little bit longer. And, and out of all the synagogues, you know, they kind of pretty much threw him out. They stoned him. They kicked him out. This is one of the synagogues in Ephesus. They wanted him to stay a little longer, but what did Paul say to them? He said in uh, verse 21 of chapter 18, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. And then he says, but I will return again to you, God willing. And so now the Lord is willing. It's very important for us that when we live our lives and we walk through this journey of life, anything that we do, include the Lord. And Paul was one that always included the Lord. He followed the Lord. He followed, he walked in the Spirit. Because if you remember in Acts chapter 16, in Acts chapter 16, Paul uh, actually went to this area before. He came to the area of Galatia, to this region. And he was probably going to most likely end up in Ephesus. But what happened, it says that the Holy Spirit forbid him The Holy Spirit did not permit him to go and minister in this area. And the Lord said, there is a time. Uh, And so he now, he's using the word, Lord willing. I want to. I wanted to come here before, you know. In chapter 16, he wanted to come. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit forbid him. And now he went, and now he's back. And so Paul is back, and he spoke boldly for three months And we could see the effect when one is in spirit, one is following the Lord, one is in the will of God, they too can speak boldly. We could speak boldly if we are following the Lord. We are confident and we're trusting the Lord is using us at the right place at the right time. And so now Paul knows that this is the will of God. He spoke boldly for three months. Now, 
He's been here for three months in this synagogue. This is by far the longest the Apostle Paul stayed in any synagogue to date. Everywhere he went, again, he was kicked out and stoned. He didn't get stoned, he was stoned. And for three months, again, spoke boldly. And what did he do? He was reasoning and persuading with them concerning the things of the kingdom of God. He was reasoning. In other words, Paul was, you know, tells us that Paul was, uh, was spoke to the intellectuals and he was persuading. In other words, tells us that Paul sought to, to have an effect and to influence their wills. And what was the topic? The topic was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that points to Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. And so for three months, he is there. Why it only lasts three months? Again, most, in most cases, they kick him out, they mock him, they blaspheme him, they stone him. And so he always had problems in the synagogue. But here we find in verse 9 as to why he departed. In verse 9, it says, When some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, Before the multitude, he departed. And so there were those that were hardened. In other words, they were hardened of heart. They were stubborn and they refused to believe. And it's one group that stood out and one group that was influencing the rest of the members there or the rest of the congregation there. And this group were not the intellectual ones because they were unable to reason with Paul. This group were not the persuaded ones because they were not affected or influenced concerning the things of the kingdom. And you're going to come across people like that when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people have hardened of hearts. And and they're not going to listen or believe in anything that you say concerning the kingdom of God. And so this group, what they did was they agitated the multitude and they spoke, what it says here, evil of the way. They spoke evil of the way. The word the way was a title for the early church. Uh, When the church first began to grow and flourish there on the day of Pentecost, they they weren't called Christians. First, they were called people, the people of the way. If you remember back again in Paul's conversion when his name was Saul, Saul from Tarsus, or Saul the terrorist, we call him nowadays, he went to persecute the church, and he went after those who were of the way, and chapter 9 tells us. It is when we get to chapter 11, when we find that the church is first called Christians. You want to know where the word Christians come the first time in Scripture? In Acts chapter 11. Now, the reference to believers as the way shows that what we believe is more than a philosophy, but is a way of life. It's more than a philosophy, it is a way of life. And that way is in the person, the person of Jesus Christ. Everybody says they believe, but is it a way of life to you? Some people say they believe, but are you living a life as if you do believe? So it's more than philosophy, it's, more, it's a way of life. And they get this way from the very words of Christ himself. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so they would call the people of the way because to them the only way was Jesus. And in the world, uh, the enemy will love to offer and offer as many ways as possible. And so he offers so many ways and deceives people in the world today, saying that there are so many ways, anyway, uh, there are many ways to go to heaven, which is pluralism, and all roads lead to heaven, and that is not the truth, it is false. And so the only way to the Father to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 
And it says, but when they were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrrhenius. And so is uncertain as to which disciples were with him. It could have been the disciples he met at the very beginning of this chapter in chapter 1, the 12 men who he ministered to. It could have been men that he uh, started discipling there in Ephesus. He was there for three months. Uh, And if you include when he was there before, prior to that, could have been four. Or it could have been a combination of the two. We don't know. But he left with a group of disciples there from the synagogue. And he withdrew with them. And it says, He resumed his teaching by reasoning daily in the school, probably in the building or in the house, by a Gentile philosopher teacher by the name of Tyrannius. Now, Tyrannius, I kind of looked up the name. I always like to look at names because sometimes the name fit the character when you study the scriptures. Here, there's not much known about Tyrannius, but his name is really derived from the word tyrant. And how did he get the name Tyrannius? We don't know. But he was a teacher. Maybe it was a name that he inherited from his students. Uh, Many of us had teachers who were Tyrannius, you know. Mrs. McGillicuddy was a tyrant, you know. (laughs) And so we know this. So it's, it's possible. We don't know. But I always try to find the meanings of the name. Now, for us to better understand the time of when Paul was using this school and all this building, this facility, uh, we need to understand uh, the daily work schedule in that time. History tells us that the pattern of the workday in Ephesus included two to three-hour midday siestas, right in the middle. How would you like that? Try to talk to your union and see if you get a two or three-hour, hey, my foreman said I get two, three hours to break. No, it's not going to happen in most places. Uh, But a two or three hour lunch meal, I think that's good. But uh, there's a reason for that as to why they did that back then. It was really hot. You know, when the sun came out from the hours of uh, 12 or maybe to 4, but more more likely 12 to 3, this is the time that they went indoors in the shade. They stopped working because the heat was so strong and so powerful. So they figured, you know what, let's just take a break. So this was the work schedule. They get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, work to about 12, from 12 to 3, or four, they will have this little three-hour or four-hour break, and then they will resume work up to nine o'clock in the evening. And so that says a lot. As a matter of fact, it was said that during this time that there were more people asleep at one o'clock in the afternoon than one o'clock in the morning, and we could see why. Uh, But nonetheless, Paul was using the school during this time, during this break. It is believed that he was using the school at this time. And so churches going into schools is, is not a new thing. You may find that common now, uh, but that, was, that started way back here in Acts chapter 19, and you can see that. So people say, hey, why do churches always rent schools? Well, it all started back in Acts chapter 19. Well, you know, it, it's a facility, it's a public facility, and that's where you use it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I watch you know, a little house in the prairie. Guys, don't, you commit it to, it's okay. You can still be macho man. Yeah, you know, I watch, you know, fighting, ultimate fighting or something, you know, I watch little house in the prairie. Okay, I'm cool with that. But when you watch little house in the prairie, I noticed that, you know, the same building was the school, was the, was the church, and it was the town hall meeting and everything. They had it in one building. And so pretty much this is how it, it was in those days. And so we could see the life and ministry of Paul, and Paul had a killer schedule, a killer schedule. 
I mean, can you imagine the ministry? He would get up in the morning, work to about 12, and you think that he's going to lay down? Not Paul. Not Paul. Paul, during his hour, his lunch hour, during his break, he went into the school and started teaching the gospel. He started teaching the gospel. And so he goes to work to about 12, a three to four hour Bible study, and then, and, and then goes back to work to about nine o'clock to go to sleep and do the same thing. And how long did Paul do this? It says here in the beginning of verse 10, and this continued for two years. For two years, he had this killer schedule. Two years. I mean, talking about work ethics, talking about committed, talking about, talking about real men, okay? Real men. You know, and I'll complain, oh, I gotta work, I gotta stay, I need my eight hours sleep, you know? And then look at Paul, man, come on, really? He works and he's involved in ministry. Involved in ministry. Now, see, Paul, we're gonna find later on, and you're gonna see throughout his writings, that he, he, was, he was bivocational, he went, he was a teacher of the word, and also, what did he do? He worked making tents. He built tents, he, he had a trade, he went to work. And Paul knew also that this region of Ephesus, was a, a school filled with, you know, all kinds of teaching of the arts, illustration, magic, and the occult. And so he knew that religion was probably, a, you know, a big business in those days. And so, you know, he was determined by going to work and providing for himself, he was determined to keep himself free from any suspicion that he was doing it for money. Because every school there was making money. Every teacher they were making a lot of money. That was the business back then. You wanted to learn anything. Here's one school in Ephesus that you went into that school building and you got the word for free. And you got more than just the free word. You had life. And I think, I think this is awesome. Later on, Paul was saying in Acts chapter 20, verse 34, he said, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those, not only for himself, for those who were with me. So Paul provided, probably provided for the church or even some that were in need. He provided for his own necessity with his own hands. And so he, for these three hours while everyone is having a sandwich and then lunch and breakfast all together at one time, here Paul is sharing the gospel. I just hope, you know, and that's my prayer, that the church today in the world will have the same heart as Paul did, had the same ministry. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to serve in leadership to have a killer schedule like this for Jesus Christ. We are so spoiled. Can't believe all the people I hear crying and complaining. And it's like the radio show. They keep complaining, complaining. And it's like, and the hits just keep on coming. And here's the next complaint. Okay, you know, man up. Here, Paul went to work and did ministry. I remember when I first started, not here, but in the other church, I, I, four days, five days a week, right after work. Driving after work, go and go home and shower. They love that. They want me to shower. Come back, and then, you know, you ministry four times a week. People have a problem coming once, once a week. You know, how many times do you see Jesus? Well, if I go once a week, not counting certain holidays because a holiday that's less than 40-something days a year. But, you know, oh, because i got to work. You know, I know what it is to actually do ministry after work. And, you know, 
what I'm going to share with you, some of you know, some of you may not know, and it's not here to say, oh, Eddie, you're a hero. No, I just want you to encourage you that you could do the same thing. And I'm short. Some of you guys are bigger and stronger, you know? And let me tell you something. I worked midnight shift, getting off 8 o'clock in the morning in New York City, East Harlem, getting off after wrestling with some bad guys. Go, down, go drive up for about an hour, 20 minutes in the car, driving, go home, take a shower. Again, people want me to take a shower. I come back after in Middletown, New York, drive another hour to Lord's Valley, Pennsylvania to give a Bible study. I haven't slept yet while everybody just got up. And then drive back another hour after that, and by the time we get home, it's probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go to sleep to do the whole thing all over again. Did it for six months. Six months. And what kept me going was the Lord. And also there was a need. And then after that, okay, now I got a better schedule. Now we moved into this building. I'm still working in the city, driving and coming back. You know, I did that for another, what, two and a half years. So I know what Paul is going through. I, Paul, I, nothing compared to what Paul has done, but I, I understand. And it's just being here for three years. I remember we started our, our Bible study exactly on Sunday, August the 19th, 2012. August the 19th, 2012. And that's why we're celebrating our fourth anniversary. That's not a plug and I just want you to connect the dots here. Then you have Thursday, August the 28th of 2014 is when I retired, left early from work. A year and a half earlier. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. Year and a half, you broke your 20, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose that. So I'm losing nothing. You think I don't know that? <laughs> think I care about it? No. And so from August 2014, all the way six months later to February 2015, we, my family and I, we lived off our savings for six months. You could check the book records on that. Six months without getting paid, we lived off our savings, paying a mortgage, paying a car, paying, putting food on the table. So I know what Paul is dealing with. You know why he was sold out for Jesus, bottom line. He wasn't hooked up on his own life. He surrendered his life completely. Didn't care about his home and his portfolio and the future. But meanwhile, you're building your kingdom on earth. Paul was worried about the kingdom of God. And what was the fruit? You're the fruit. Every single one of you is sitting here. Every single one that was sitting here service before you and on Wednesdays. When we go out and do evangelism, we're sharing the gospel, do a music fest, that's the fruit. And I'm hoping that could be contagious to you. I'm not telling you to retire. I'm just telling you, hey, it's okay to work and have a busy day and go to work and, you know, do a little bit of ministry for a couple hours and then go home. It's fine. You know, if we would do that, we will see more fruit. All of Pike County, because we're going to see what's going to happen when Paul does it. You're going to see how the the impact he's going to have. And so in verse 10, it says, And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelled in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. How I would only wish that if we all did the same thing like Paul, man, we could read the tri-state area. Paul did it for two years, just one man, faithful to the Lord, with a killer schedule like he had. Didn't complain and whine and die, oh, I need sleep, I need my beauty rest, you know, and put cucumbers on his eyeballs. You're like, come on, man up. But he did it. He did it for two years. And what happens? The result, everyone, they say all here, not some, all who dwelt in Asia uh, heard the word of the Lord Jesus. That doesn't mean that they were saved. That's not saying that they were believers. That is just saying that they all believe. So most likely, I'm pretty sure all believe. All because 
someone with faithful. And so now, because of this ministry, he's sharing the gospel for two years, everyone in Asia, and guess what? What's the, what's the fruit of this here also? Think about it. What churches were in Asia? Asia Minor? The seven churches in Revelation. The book that you have in your hand, the book of Revelation that's in it, in chapters 2 and 3, has letters that the Lord has sent out to the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor, the churches that were already established there. Why? Because one man gave up his three-hour siesta every day for two years. That's why. Can you imagine? And then we worried about community. Oh, you know, I get emails, and I'm kind of, oh, look, you know what's happening this weekend in Milford? Who cares? I'm going to church. Those things are happening because Christians are not speaking. That's why it's happening. That's why it's in our community. That's why there's terrorism. That's that's come there's so much lawlessness in this world. Why Christians are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ. You can protest all you want. That's not going to change the heart of man. People are willing to protest. People are willing to, oh, we need to vote for this person. We need to vote for that. Oh, the government is this. Oh, the government is that. Oh, look what's going on. Oh, the end of the world. Stop complaining. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The heart of man is corrupt. You hit the source, the only source that really matters, and the only thing that can hit the source is the word of God. And we're worrying about our community. We're worrying about our schools. We need to do exactly what Paul did. Paul, for two years, had an incredible ministry, amazing Here's another thing that took place during that time in verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the disease left them and the evil spirit went out of them. In his ministry, you see right here in this church, already people now getting saved. I mean, a lot of people getting healed. And now what does it say here? The second word in verse 11, God. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Was it Paul? No. It says God. It was God and God alone. Nor did uh, the handkerchief or the aprons had any magical powers. These were all miracles all done by God. And it says here unusual. In some translation, it'll say extraordinary. And they were all extraordinary. As a matter of fact, all miracles are extraordinary. Extraordinary, that was, that's what makes them miracles. But here, this unusual miracle took place by the use of handkerchiefs and aprons. Now, this shows that Paul was a hardworking man. Because, of course, the handkerchief is just to wipe the sweat off his face. I mean, Paul wasn't one of those uh, preachers hyperventilating and sweating and just to put a show. You know, I know some people, they just love handkerchief. They said, by God, it's cold. It's in the winter. Why do you need a handkerchief, you know? And people just do it just for a show when they start preaching. That's not why he had it there. He was working hard. It was the summer and he had an apron. Don't picture like Mrs. Cleaver apron. We're talking about an apron that was made of leather. He was, a, he was one who actually built tents. So it was an apron made of leather. But notice that every time he puts it down, it's gone. Why do we know that? Because the words are plural. I'm We hope that today's edition of Running the Race has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Milford, Pennsylvania area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on Running the Race are produced from the worship services at Calvary Chapel of Milford. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. 
as well as an in-depth midweek Bible study every Wednesday at 7 p.m. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to runningtheraceradio.com and then simply click on Service Times. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see running the race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you. Please join us next time for another edition of Running the Race.